Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Hi, everyone. It's Jeannie Wen. Um, I hope everybody's doing okay today. And we're having some technical difficulties. Welcome, everyone. This is the Winter Circle with Jeannie Wynn, and it looks like we're having some technical difficulties. I've never had this happen before, uh, but I'm hoping that my guest, Becky, is here. I am Becky, here. Hi, Jeannie. I am. Can you hear me? <laughs> I. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Can you yeah, hear me? All is well. Okay, I, great. I can. I can hear you now. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> I, we are running a little late because... Honestly, I don't know what happened. I was sitting there waiting, and I had the little music on. Did you hear anything, Becky? Did you hear music or anything? I did. I heard the music. I heard you come on and say we had technical difficulties, and then you were gone. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. So very sorry, everyone. Like I said, I, this, you know, no, honestly, nobody cares what happened. Let's just be honest. Um, so, <laughs> but we're here, <laughs> Becky, you're here, I hear, I'm here, um, this is the Winter Circle Podcast, and welcome everyone, all of you that listen, and uh, we love that you listen, thanks so much, and thanks so much for being with us today, I don't know what happened, so we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, Becky's book, Becky, I'm going to start with your bio, because I think that's, you know, the most fun, we're going to start with that, and I'm going to tell us, I know our listeners a little bit about you, um, Becky Kapitsky <laughs> is the author of three books, which we're going to be talking about all three, Becky, um, as a writer, oh, speaker, dreamer, believer, lunch pecker, and recovering perfectionist. Becky's on a mission to encourage and equip women to be kind to themselves and others in Jesus' name. She and her husband, Chad, live in northwest Wisconsin with their two tween daughters, uh, shells full of slime supplies, 
and a puppy named Prophet. Beyond writing and family, Becky is actively involved at her regional evangelical church where she leads women's Bible studies, sings on a worship team, and hugs half the people she sees. Now, here's the thing, Becky. I am a hugger, too, and there are people (laughs) that do not like to be hugged. I know, and I just cannot relate to them whatsoever. (laughs) I get it. I'm very respectful for other people's (laughs) space. But I think they just need to get with the program and understand how beautiful a hug is. (laughs) I don't know that I respect their space. I think that's a, I think that's the hard part is I I uh, have had several Bible studies in my home and one of the women who that's come has said basically you know what I'm not a hugger but you made me a hugger yeah so <laughs> see I like that you transformed her yeah. you you converted her to the other side I like it I did it I just fueled my fire now over. you know. <laughs> yeah, I brought her over. Okay, so uh, because we lost some time because of the technical issues, we're going to go ahead and get started talking about this. Okay, now, the name of the book we're talking about is The Cranky Mom Fix. Now, yeah. I'm not a mother in in the spirit of true disclosure, but let's talk about is it impossible as a mom not to be cranky at times? I would I would think you're going to tell me yes, but is it impossible? Is it impossible to not get cross? Um, I don't know a single mother who doesn't get cranky sometimes. There are those who will try to have you believe that they don't. In fact, I've even mm-hmm. seen some women say, this looks like a great book. I'm not really all that cranky, but I think I'd like to read it. <laughs> because there is some shame oh. associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, right. I truly believe that every mother that I have ever spoken to, and I've spoken to a lot of mothers, they there are moments for all of us. Some of us are prone to it. Some of us have chronic cranky issues. Others just have those seasons or those occasions. But... I do believe crankiness comes with the territory in a variety of relationships, but in particular family relationships with between mothers and kids. And that, that now, is you, nothing you to be really ashamed do, of. Right, right. It, and, but you know what? You really do start the book with uh, talking about the moment. You say that you remember the first time Momster Mom arrived. And yeah. it was pretty early, wasn't it? It was very early. My firstborn, who's now 12, she was about three weeks old. And I was so exhausted. I was in that zombie season. And I had a baby who did not sleep well. I cannot relate to the mothers who have angel babies who sleep and they eat on a schedule. <laughs> that was just never my experience, never my experience. And so I did get very frustrated one evening when, of course, as you are when you have a newborn, you're dragged out of bed again, and and there was a blowout diaper situation, and I was just I was physically and emotionally tired, and I kind of growled at her like, "Mommy just wants to sleep," and that's when I recognized mm-hmm. someone I did not know had just come out of my body, and it was time for me to get a handle on this. But of course, I didn't. You know, it it, it grew. It grew in ways that I didn't even know right. were possible as my daughter grew and then I had a second child and then I had two children and they had different schedules and different needs and different personalities and, and I was home with them. I work from home. I, I, I care for my children at home and there was a lot of togetherness that um, and a lot of distractions because of 
the way our busy, crazy lives are today. And so I had to learn to get a handle on it because I did not. I I realized I did not want to be the mom who was who was known mm-hmm. for being grumpy all the time. Right. Well, and the the interesting thing I think uh, about this is. Um, kids go through different stages. So you have that baby stage, you have that toddler stage. I know that my niece, Addie Jo, who I work very close to, my niece, Addie Jo, is five. So she's in that questioning stage of learning her own ability to, you know, have a voice. And then you get to that kind of, you know, every stage is different. So you really have to kind of adjust that cranky mom barometer, don't you, that momster mom barometer? That's been my experience, absolutely. In fact, every every stage is different and every child's personality is different. Every child's character is a bit different. So that means we're not just learning the first time around and we've got it figured out. Then you've got to, if you have a second child, a third child, a fourth child, you, it's almost as though we are starting from scratch in a way if a child's disposition is mm. different. And so many of us are adapting as we go, which is why it's so important to have some core principles that are not related to the kids and their behavior, but to us. How are we handling our own hearts? How are we caring for ourselves? Because it's not necessarily the children's fault that we are cranky. And so as we are adapting to different situations and different seasons, we need to have some parameters in place for ourselves and how we conduct ourselves, how we decide ahead of time that we are going to protect ourselves from acting a certain way toward our kids because they will trip our triggers and they will do it uh, in a variety of ways at different stages. Mm -hmm. But what are we doing to look inside of ourselves first? Because it's typically not the, the kids are not our enemy. The kids are not the enemy. Our right. own hearts can be deceiving, and well, the scripture I, tells us. So, yeah. And I think as you're adulting, basically, you know what I mean? It's like adults handle, yeah. you know, there's work situations that are stressful often, life situations that are stressful, other family relationships, financial issues. And, and these are things that kids know nothing about. So true. They do, and, so, and we can't expect them to understand. We can't expect them to understand mom's stress because of a work deadline or, you know, mom and dad are worried about how we're going to, you know, pay the mortgage or whatever. We can't expect our children to view the world from an adult perspective. And so when we are responding to right. them out of the frustrations of our, our adult perspective, uh, that doesn't communicate well to them. So we need to be able to enter their world because we can't expect them to understand what we understand. Well, you talk about in the book um, some common crankiness uh, triggers that would bring out the momster in you. Uh, Do you mind sharing one of your own? (laughs) One of my greatest triggers. So now, you know, of course, I I have several. (laughs) But one of my biggest triggers is exhaustion. I have to say, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when my – my littles first arrived on the scene. They did not sleep well, and I learned early on how precious sleep can be. And I don't have the type of body mm-hmm. that operates well um, on lack of sleep. So when I'm consistently at you know less than four or five hours of sleep a, a night for weeks on end, I just I really I 
it manifests itself in very ugly ways for me physically and emotionally. Right. And so that in itself right. is a trigger for me. So even to, and now when I just have an occasional night or two when we're up late or maybe somebody is sick and I am on it in the middle of the night, I am nurse mom and I am so kind and I am so loving. 24 hours later when everybody's feeling better is when I really feel like my, my adrenaline drains and I'm exhausted and I know that's a trigger for me. And that and feeling distracted right. and too busy. How many of us are not too busy on a regular basis? And so when I, I, I realize if I am thinking, if I'm present with my children but thinking about my deadlines or my email, then I, I realize, that, okay, this is a trigger because I'm feeling too busy and distracted, and here's how I'm going to handle it, you know, because I've, I've got to put some safeties in place because I know I am swimming in a trigger right now. Well, let's talk a little bit. That brings me to the next thing, which I'm thinking is we're in summertime now, and kids are home, right? Yes, uh, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> All day, every day. All um, day how long. <laughs> how do you handle summer? Do you treat summer differently? How do you handle summer? To just... I do. I have to. No, you were saying? No, just not to become, like, honestly, to feel like, like, you know, I think of these, it's this kind of joke that you sometimes see where this kid is going, mom, 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 mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's no joke, sister. That is real life. That is an actual scene in my household and every other mother's household on a daily basis. And it's true. And so when you're const- it's constant input. Some of us, if, if you are gifted with introversion <laughs> like I am, I am truly an introverted person, which means I need to be able to process my thoughts yeah. and I need to be able to live in a little bit of silence from time to time. And that does not happen when there's constant input. And, and so I do... Um, you know, well, my husband and I learned uh, a few years ago. So, in in my case, I have an extreme case because both my husband, both Chad and I, work from home. So, three years ago, he um, left his his traditional job and started his own business and is working from home. So, we both are working here from home. And when the kids come, we like to say in the summertime we have uh, we have employees. We have very short employees in the summertime. And mm-hmm. although my twelve year old is not so short anymore, but it, so we need to put some, again, some boundaries in place. And so what I have, I have recognized is that it's very important to set expectations. And, and if your kids are old enough to understand, this is when it really can be helpful. But I set expectations with the family, um, with the kids. We actually sit down and we talk about it and say, okay, summer is here. And you know, we create our bucket list, the fun things we want to do. And now to understand, mm-hmm. there, I will tell you, if it's a work day for mom, I'm going to tell you mom has to work this morning. I'm going to work until noon. So I need you to manage yourself until, you know, and if I can do this because my girls are old enough now at ages 12 and 9. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and so setting that expectation and then, uh, and basically I say, you know, I'm, I'm, you can find me if you need to me because I'm in the house, but I would really like to be able to focus on getting some work done. And then my end of the deal is when I say I'm going to be done, I've got to be done. And I've got to turn it off and, and focus on the that's kids. that's hard. Yes. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> Very hard. Yes. 
if you're and, on you know, a phone just today, call, because I, I, I <laughs> it, yeah, right, and a phone when you're in the middle of a, a, a phone call or things get things come up, and so just today I messed up because I told the girls, yes, we will go out for ice cream, and so they asked me. I had a meeting this morning. I came home at eleven o'clock, and immediately my nine-year-old says, "Are we going for ice cream now?" I said, "Well, it's a little early for ice cream, but you said we could have ice cream today." <laughs> And so I, I said, fine, you know what, I did promise that, let's go have ice cream for lunch. And it was an hour later because, oh, I just got a few emails, and then I just had to, you know, respond to some texts, and, and I had to send a W-9 form out for something. And, and, and here I have this beautiful mm-hmm. child whom I promised ice cream standing at my desk saying, Mom, you told us it would be five minutes. It's been 30 minutes. So I need to put those safeties in place so that I'm not the mom who doesn't follow through on her promises. So we talk a lot about it, and I humble myself when I mess up. And, you know, we, we kind of come to some agreements on how the kids are going to cooperate so that mom can get things done and then how I'm going to cooperate so that we all have an understanding so that I don't have to get cra- cranky at them for interrupting me because they, have, they, they know the expectations, and they don't have to get cranky at me for working when they think I should be playing a game or taking them to the pool or something. It's just so important to have those conversations and be open and vulnerable and humble with one another. Becky, how much do you think cranky mom, monster mom, uh, mm-hmm. either or what you want to call it, monster mom or cranky mom, comes out because women aren't, moms themselves aren't doing enough good self-care? Oh, it's huge. It's huge, Jeannie. In fact, when I was writing this book, I realized halfway through I did not have a chapter on self-care. And I thought, whoa, wait a second, that is the root of so many things. I added that. It was not even originally in my chapter outline until I recognized I, not only is this something that I preach to women on a regular basis and have worked very hard to incorporate into my own life, but um, it wasn't, it was a, it's a theme that runs through the book, but I, I realized it really needed its own chapter. We need to settle on that so much. Because when, and I know this from personal experience, when we get drained, be thinking that our job is to serve, 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 serve the other people, we become very bad at serving them because we have nothing left to give. So I put, I I make a commitment to, you know, getting regular health care checks. I go to a chiropractor. You know, for a while I was doing massage therapy because for me stress manifests as back aches and stomach aches and, and I was no good for my kids. And Besides that, I felt like, well, where's the me time? And I was resenting that there was no time for me to breathe. And so resentment can really start to erode a family. And it's, and it's a lie. Resentment is such a lie from the devil because what we're, start, what we're saying is I don't appreciate the gifts that God has given me. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Right? Our kids are not our enemy. They are, are on our team. And we need to remember to count our blessings. And resentment will strip those blessings away. They'll strip our vision for the blessings. So I really, really believe that women need to care for themselves, fill themselves, fuel themselves uh, as as much as possible. And that means having a conversation with a good friend who can, you know, maybe help cover for your kids or having a conversation with your spouse that you can reciprocate this. But we've got to be able to manage time for ourselves while we are giving, giving, giving. Otherwise, we will very quickly be unable to give well, which means we're not really doing the job God gave us to do. We're not doing it as well as we could. No, and I think another thing I think of, you know, you happen to have girls, and I think uh, 
you know, no matter what kind of, you know, no matter what sex your child is, they're also watching you to see how you manage all of this too. Yes. I think of that often yeah. um, with a real heart of conviction, actually. I think of how my girls are learning so much from me about what it is to be a Christian woman, to pursue a passion, and yet, uh, you know, they see me writing at my desk. They tell me I'm their favorite author. You know, you would think it would be, you know, J.K. Rowling or something, but no, apparently it's their mother. <laughs> so so they're, they're proud of me, you know, they, <laughs> which I love. I love that I love that they're proud of me, but I, I need to be a role model in every sense, which is making time for God first, caring for myself first. I need them to see it's important to serve a family, but you also need to serve your serve the 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 soul that God has given you, the body He has given you. We need to take care of it so that we are better equipped to take care of the people he God has placed in our lives. And that and even as far as how I treat other people. I want them to learn that from me. I want them to learn kindness from me. I want them to learn patience from me. And there are times when I'm teaching them just the opposite by my own actions. Another reason that it's so important to get a handle on the cranky mom, because what are we instilling in our kids when we are when they're faced with our chronic cranky attitudes? Not good. Right. I have another question about that. We're going to talk about it a little more, but I want to mention the name of the book. The name of the book is The Cranky Mom Fix. It's Becky Kapitsky, and it's from Bethany House Publishers, and uh, you can order it anywhere you get books, or you can uh, pick it up at Amazon. We always say just get it wherever fine books are sold. It can be a bookstore. It can be Amazon. It can be any number of places, but you will not miss this cover. It is beautiful, orange, turquoise, and yellow, and, and you will not miss it, and the subtitle is Get a Happy, Happier, More Peaceful Home by Slaying the Monster in All of Us. Becky, let's talk a little bit about the role of faith and the importance mm. of faith um, in taming that monster. Uh, you know, what is the role of faith? How does faith help you deal with this? Well, faith is the source of all wisdom. God in the Bible, that's the source of wisdom. And, and what we really need is wisdom to manage our hearts, to um, love our people well, and we don't have that strength within us, really. I, what we're looking for here is fruit of the Spirit, right? We want patience. We want kindness. We want gentleness. We want self-control. And those things are absolutely accessible, accessible to us when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. And so faith, for me, is the absolute foundation of the cranky mom fix, because otherwise we're just trying in our own strength to be better. And that, that's mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's about relying more heavily on the mm-hmm. Lord to give us the wisdom, to give us the grace, to help us be humble, to be the kind of mom that he knows we can be and that he would delight in us to be. And so faith, for me, is the core of everything. We can't do this without Jesus. On our own, we're cranky. You know, we can, we can try for a spell to, yeah. to, to fix it on our own, but it's not going to work because our sin nature is inherently going to be cranky. We need the power of Jesus to overcome it, and that's really the core of this book. It's based on faith. It's based on biblical principles. Without Jesus, how do we parent well? We can't go very far on our own strength and our own wisdom because it's always going to fall short. Right. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is in the book, uh, you talk about paintbrush words. And, um, of course, I've read the book. I know what you're talking about. But talk about <laughs> paint, paintbrush words and 
what they mean, because I think that was such a good concept, Becky. Well, I appreciate the question, Jeannie, because this is something um, I've had to learn, um, fortunately, from other mentors. And so I, I, I do say that I've also learned this uh, through trial and error. You know, the hard way is always a good way to learn a lesson. But um, I am very grateful that some wise mentors pointed out to me the importance of not making Jesus a killjoy in your family. So in living out your faith mm. with your kids, you want them to understand who God really is, the full picture of who God is. He is not only existing to discipline us and to pinpoint our wrongs. That is not the only way we should be using Scripture. We also should be using Scripture to bring into our everyday joys, our everyday challenges, our everyday victories, so that if all our kids are hearing from us is, you know, you really should share that toy because God says you're supposed to share, or you should not have lied to me. God, God abhors lying lips. If we're only using scripture to pound the kids, I call those hammer words. So a hammer, a hammer word mm -hmm. will pound a hole in the wall, but a paintbrush word will transform the wall with a beautiful new color. And that's how we want to use scripture as paintbrush words. So we can go to our kids and say, look, I know you're really struggling with this situation at school with your friendships, but I want to remind you that God loves you. He rejoices over you with singing, and he is not looking at you, telling you that you are not a good friend or, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that they're struggling with at school, remind them of their worth in Christ according to Bible truths. Or let's say you just got a great grade on a math test. I am so proud of you for working hard because God says to work as though working for the Lord and not just for men. And I know that you worked hard on this test not to please your teacher, but because God gave you gifts and you used them to glorify him. I'm so mm -hmm. proud of you. When we are using scripture in every situation, not only to pinpoint the kids' wrongs, discipline and correct, but especially to affirm them, that's when they see the full picture of Christ. And they know that God is not just a traffic cop. God exists to encourage them, support them, to affirm them, and to be their friend and their father in every situation. That's the use of Scripture in families. And, and it's, there's so much power in that, Jeannie. There's so much power in our kids truly understanding the full picture of how God and his word applies to their lives. So good. So good, Becky. Becky, um, I know that you, I was saying that you had other books. Tell people the titles of your other books and also where they can find you because I know people might yeah. be looking for you. I, I would love to share those titles. So also from Bethany House and Baker is um, Generous Love. Discover the Joy of Living Others First, and Generous Love is a book about truly learning how to love our people well and how we can do that, mm -hmm. um, not only our families, but through to our communities and, and uh, the people around us at work and so forth. And also my first book, which you and I worked on together, is The Super Mom Myth, yes. at Conquering the Dirty Villains of Motherhood, and that has to do with this idea of parenting perfection and overcoming it and recognizing how there are so many aspects of parenting that we feel like we need to be conquering when really what we need to be doing is relying on Jesus to give us the grace that we need to find the joy in parenting. So all of those can be found right. on my website, which is BeckyKopitsky.com. And right now the Cranky Mom Fix is also readily available, CrankyMomFix.com. You can find more information about that book, including links of where to purchase it and so on. So BeckyKopitsky.com or CrankyMomFix.com is where everybody can find me. Uh, I want to say Thank you to Becky because I know we're running out of time. Becky, we're going to have you on again if you're okay with that. Let's talk about this again. I would love it. Uh, we'll get you back on the podcast to go a little bit deeper because I'd like 
uh, for you to be able to talk about some of the correspondence that you're going to get from this book, because I know you're going to hear from moms on this book. And I'd like to know what moms are saying about it. And so we're going to invite you back to come on to talk more about it. Uh, I thank you so much for being the guest. The book is The Cranky Mom Thanks. Fix by Becky Kapisky, Bethany House Publishers. Thank you so much, Becky, for joining me today. Thank you, Jeannie. It's been so much fun. Everybody have a good day. Thank you so much.